This is Looking for Christ, a podcast that seeks to deepen faith as we search for Christ in all of Scripture. My name is Zach. I'm here with my pastor, Oren, and my good friend, Clint, who's over the phone today. And I feel like we finally nailed that intro. Clint wants to nitpick and add R before faith, which, you know, we may add that. I don't know. I may be ornery. You're doing great, Zach. You're doing great, man. So we're going to read the text. Whatever it takes to validate you, bro. Thank you. I appreciate that. I need that. I feel validated now. Yeah. So I'll read the text. We're in Psalm 123 today, and we'll kick it to Oren to, to kind of intro the psalm. Psalm 123. I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven, like a servant's eyes on his master's hand, like a servant girl's eyes on her mistress's hand. So our eyes are on the Lord, our God, until he shows us favor. Show us favor, Lord. Show us favor. For we've had more than enough contempt. We've had more than enough scorn from the arrogant and contempt from the proud. And I guess I should say that that's the CSB version. All right, so Aaron, what what have you been working on this week? Or if you want to intro it, what are your thoughts? Yeah, so this psalm um, has a very uh, clear difference between the previous really the previous two we've looked at um it well, we've only looked at one well the last two i've, <laughs> I've preached on 20, 121 and 122 uh the, the the tone is different it's clear that in 123 this song is coming from hearts of people that are pleading with god for deliverance of some sort and there's themes in here about trust about dependence about um, understanding who God is and what he can do, and that the people of Israel, whatever it is that they're facing at this point in their history, are singing this song with dependence upon God because they know only God can meet them in their time of need. What they need, only God can provide. And so we, we've seen this, this before in many of the Psalms, to lift up eyes, it means to look upon God or to trust him, to believe him, to remember the promises he's made. Um, the word behold means to understand something. And we, you and I talked talk about that a little bit earlier. Of um, It's not just looking, but it's looking and understanding what you're seeing. Um, and and so the first two verses are, talk, are declaration of God's authority and, um, and the, the people's dependence. And then the second two verses... Or what they're asking God for, and and specifically, they're asking God for mercy from this contempt and this um, scorn that they faced, probably most likely from another nation or nations that have come against them in some way. Mm. Yeah, and so like, <laughs> that's all very good. When I uh, when I first read this psalm, my temptation is to immediately go to a commentary. Yeah. Or to some other source of like, let me let me glean from someone else. From yeah. someone else. Mm-hmm. And that was a fruitless endeavor. It always is a fruitless endeavor for me. Mm-hmm. Um where I gain my most insight is when I just spend time with the psalm or the, the text itself mm-hmm. and simply ask the question, uh, what does this tell me about Jesus? Yeah. That's like w- what I need. Mm-hmm. That's um what I that's in my experience, what I've gained more from Scripture yeah. when I do that. See, Zach, you sound like a good Baptist. All you need is the Bible and the Holy Spirit, and you can figure it out. <laughs> that is not what I'm saying. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so like what I so I initially got super amped up and went to all these different commentaries, and then I finally just read the text. Yeah. 
And initially what stood out was this seems like a prayer where it's lifting um, the metaphorical eyes of our heart mm-hmm. uh, in faith to God mm-hmm. and asking for deliverance from something. Yes. And where my mind immediately goes is when Jesus was praying in the garden um, and how Jesus asked, you know, uh, if it be your will, let this cup pass. Mm-hmm. But um, if, and I'm paraphrasing at this point, but if not, then then your will be done. Yeah. Essentially is what Jesus was saying. And so he's with his disciples mm-hmm. and he said, hey, stay up, stay up with me. I'm going to go pray for a while because I'm, I'm distressed. Mm-hmm. And like in this text, we, we find out that he sweats blood. Yeah. Um, and so he's praying, he's praying, he's praying, praying earnestly, doing what Psalm 123 is saying. Mm-hmm. And then he goes to his disciples and they're asleep. Yeah. It's like, hey, wait, wait, wake up, wake up, wake up, wake up. I need you. I need you right now. Yeah, three times. Yeah. 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 And uh, so like that, and for me, Jesus prayed that prayer that the cup would pass, but he was content with the Father's will. Mm-hmm. And... Ultimately, we know that that the answer was was no. The cup will not pass from you. And so the answer when Jesus prayed Psalm 123 was that there was no deliverance for him. Yeah. He ultimately had to face the thing that um, he was happy to face for us. And because of that, I now can pray this prayer and be delivered mm. um, once and and fully and finally delivered mm. um, from from what Psalm 123 says because. Jesus prayed that prayer. Yep. Okay. That's um, good. That's and what's, good. what's crazy is what I see myself in this psalm, I see myself as the disciple Taking falling asleep. Yeah, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. And if it weren't for Jesus praying the psalm, mm-hmm. um, I wouldn't be delivered. Yeah. Because in yeah. that prayer, in, in that prayer, there's, or, or for, from our perspective, there's dependence upon Christ yeah. to not only take the cup, but to finish all the work that's necessary for us to be redeemed and saved. Yep. Yeah. Good. It is finished. Yeah. Clay, what are your thoughts, man? Um, I mean, for me, it wasn't very hard to find Jesus in this psalm mm-hmm. because where does the New Testament say that Jesus is? Mm-hmm. He is seated at the right hand of God in heaven. Um, and so verse 1 says, I lift my eyes to you, the one enthroned in heaven. Mm-hmm. So this is this is a prayer to Jesus mm-hmm. uh, from the Christian perspective. As, as I can pray, it, it is a prayer to Jesus. And you know, so what is there? Go ahead. Well, what I was going to say is what I love about what you're bringing out is, you know, Hebrews tells us that Jesus ever lives to intercede for us. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I, I was bringing out what he did in his earthly ministry, in his life, death, and resurrection. But even in um, while he's in heaven, interesting. Se- seated at the right hand of the throne of God, um, yeah. he still is doing this for us <clears throat> on our behalf. Yeah. Right, and by what merit are we able to, like, I mean, what merit of his are we able to pray this prayer to him? First uh, Peter 3, 22 says of Jesus, that he has gone into heaven, is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers subject to him. Mm. So we're able to lift our eyes to, to heaven and pray because that's where Jesus is and all authority has been given to him to uh, give us the answer to these prayers. And we do that humbly. That's what verse 2 is saying, right? Mm -hmm. So we do this from not um, because he owes us anything, but because uh, we are his servants. He is our master. Um, 
And so it's, it's from a place of humility that we pray these things. And because, and, and to your point, back what you mentioned about in the garden, that's how Jesus prayed. He prayed humble prayers. Um, despite the fact that if anyone could go to God with their own merit uh, and ask God to remove the cup from them, it was him. Um, but he sets a, a great example for us in that he prayed humbly. And, um, and so we do the same thing. Um, and that's before we've even gotten to the content of our petition. Yeah. Um, we recognize who he is and his authority, and we recognize our position um, as, as disciples, as servants, as, uh, as Christians, and his authority over us. And, and we do that humbly. And before we even come to verses 3 and 4, we'll get to what we're asking for. So um, that was the immediate thing that stood out to me uh, in those first couple of verses. Uh, and then in verses 3 and 4, where they ask, where they, where there's really not a, um, there's a petition there for favor, but it's kind of like they're not asking for the opposite, uh, at least I don't think, you know, necessarily the opposite of uh, contempt and scorn. They're just asking for the the, the stopping mm-hmm. of the contempt and scorn, you know. And so, uh, for the Lord to show them favor means that 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 they would be delivered from those who are scorning and and, and showing them contempt. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of a, that seems like a desperation prayer to me. Um, it's almost as if like Jesus, if you don't answer this prayer, uh, I'm going to be undone. Yeah, you know, uh, it's too much for me. So the, the scorn and the contempt has gotten to be too much, and I need your intervention. Um, otherwise, you know, I, I, I may, I may uh, fall away. So, um, I like that there's not a, you know, there are other prayers where they pray for uh, blessings and they pray for peace and happiness, and joy, and all these other things. But here, it's just like, Lord, please stop the scorn and the contempt. Uh, that, that that's really we just need a we just need a break from these things. Yeah. It, it doesn't appear that, or at least from what I can tell, it doesn't appear that this may be self-inflicted, but that someone has come against the people because they say our soul has had enough of contempt and yeah. scorn. So something's come against them or to them that maybe they don't feel they deserve. It's maybe, maybe it is unfair, which happens a lot in life, right? Like <laughs> things come to us yeah. that we didn't cause ourselves. A lot of our problems are, are self-inflicted, but sometimes they're not, you know? And so when this scorn and contempt from some kind of enemy or opponent comes against you, um, it may f- make you feel weak or maybe it helps you realize just how weak you really are to endure it and to have the right answers for it in the middle of it. And so where, where do we go? You know, where do we turn? Do we turn to the civil authorities or do we turn to attorneys or do we turn, do we turn to uh, people of who, who write books about how to deal with these types of things? And maybe those are good resources. But what the people of Israel do here, and I think is wise and right for us, is to turn to God. And the way we turn to God is to look to Jesus, to behold Jesus, to understand how to deal with contempt and scorn. And listen, there's no promises in this world that we won't have it. In fact, Jesus pretty much says it in in really multiple places that you should expect to face hardship and persecutions and trials on his behalf because of him. People are going to come against you. Now, that's not something that we, particularly in in the Western world in America, especially endure very much of. But every once in a while, we may find people that hold us in contempt simply because we're Christians. And again, that's not a common thing. But what do we do with that when we when we do experience it? 
Well, the pattern here is to pray to God. Start with God. If you're going to lift your eyes, how do you literally lift your eyes when you don't have a temple or a, or a city to look to like these Jews did? Well, it's the eyes of your heart, as Zach said earlier, prayer to God. Go to His Word and in fellowship with His people. And I think those are the ways that we find help and even God's mercy um, flowing down to us in in times of contempt and scorn that we may endure at some point, whether it's in, in our families or it's at work or generally from society. And so... There are obviously proud and, and self-righteous people in the world that bring things against us, and I think um, there may be some other answers, but the best answer, the first answer, is to return to Christ, who is our um, our intercessor, the one who mediates for us before God, but also is the one who holds us and keeps us by his finished work. And so that's some, some, some initial thoughts on this passage that I think are helpful for us um, in our daily lives. Yeah, I feel like it's yeah, a good place to end. It, Unless you got anything to add, Clint. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say that my it, this goes against my natural inclination. I talk about for me personally because if it's fight or flight, a lot of times I'll fight. Yeah, and so I'll choose to combat scorn and contempt uh, with words, with my own diplomacy, with you know whatever. Mm-hmm. But with this, with this psalm, tends to say what the what the New Testament says, the epistles say, is flee to Christ in those moments. Don't don't fight your battles on your, in your own strength, yeah. but flee to to Christ who's already won the victory for you. Um, and and uh, one thing that comes up uh, when I think of this is in First Peter 2, where Peter talks about um, that Jesus did not return insult for insult, and he, when he suffered, he didn't threaten, yeah. but he entrusted himself to the one who judges justly. That's what we do. Mm-hmm. We entrust ourselves to him instead of retaliating or instead of uh, returning time for time when we experience these things. And so um, Jesus is both our example in this song, and he's also the one praying, as I've said, on our behalf, um, which is a beautiful thing. And I think that's, that's often the case in many of the songs. We can see him fulfilling them, and we can see him um, leading us in fulfilling them ourselves. Amen. That's yep. great. That's a great that's, word. That's a good place to end. And until we meet again... God, we we pray that you would help us to keep our eyes on Jesus.